we are back in the Football Shed, your weekly football podcast for fans that live in the wrong time zone like we do. My name's John Hewitt. Roger Gibbs is here. Hello. And no Jeff King. Where's Jeff? Uh, doing something important businessy. Oh. Don't know. Something boring. But he might arrive He may late. turn up late. So yeah, he's in a meeting, but he may just suddenly turn up and arrive for end game where he can lose again. <laughs> <laughs> Something to look forward to. Yes. So no Rog, uh, no Jeff tonight. So it's just a bit of a date night, Rog. So okay. uh, what romantic beer did you bring this evening for date night? Uh, well, as we were on date night, I wanted to keep my wits about me. So I've gone for a low percentage <laughs> uh, Henty Street Ale from... Uh, oh, this Corpus. is your like generic beer that you only drink midway through. It's other usually my filler. Yeah, but I didn't want to... I've got all my exciting beers for the weekend. John yes. and myself are off to a music festival at the yeah, weekend. Off to Golden Plains. Reliving our youth. and um, Which means next week, Jeff's going to have to be like standing up with all the info because we're going to be a, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah I didn't want to drink all my exciting beers because I'm saving those for the weekend no that's a smart move I um, have bought some Audi six dollar wine because it's now gone up a dollar coronavirus um, probably because of coronavirus have you bought toilet roll Talking of oh, don't get me started on that. It's so weird. Ali had a big rant about it when she got home because some random lady on the tram started talking to her about it. Like she Ugh. just couldn't. It was like she couldn't wait to tell somebody. Have you seen the news about the toilet roll? <laughs> and Ali had already been told by about fifteen people. For today. anyone who's non-Australian, the whole of Australia has decided that they need to buy toilet roll to protect themselves from coronavirus. <laughs> And it's gone weird. Yeah, is it me? I'm really not that worried. Like, toilet no. roll wouldn't be the first thing that I'd no, Buy some think food. Of. Yeah. Yeah, really weird. Anyway. Um, but I bought some Audi $5 wine, $6 wine, um, and I'll probably take a bunch of that to the festival as well. What will you do? Will you decant? No yes. glass? Yeah, no, I'll decant. So it'll air out beautifully over well, a couple of days. Will it affect the quality of your it's fine It's always vintage? delicious. Okay. Um, any, but any, any temperature, yes. rain or shine. It's always <laughs> delicious. Um, But every week we start with a question, which Rog will probably win tonight. Um, But before we do that, just a bit of admin. If you want to get in contact, ask us a question, tell us we're wrong about something, uh, you can find us on Facebook. Just search Football Shed or email us at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review. Um, And of course, tell your mates so more people can hear us talk nonsense about football. This week's question, Rog, it's about Liverpool. Liverpool lost in the league to Watford, um, but they also lost in the FA Cup this morning. When was the last time Liverpool lost three consecutive away games in all competitions? So they lost to Atletico Madrid in the Champions League a week ago, 10 days ago, lost to Watford in the league, and then Chelsea in the Cup this morning. So what month and year? So they lost three games in a row? No, they've won one in between, haven't they? Three three away away games. games. Um, what you're after the month and the year? Yeah. I wonder if that would have happened under Cloppage. Um, I've really got no idea, so I'm going to guess um, March 2017. November 2014. Wow. So six years ago. So that predates Klopp, or was that his first season? No, no that uh, Hodgson was in charge. No, not Hodgson. Brendan Rodgers. Brendan Rodgers. Wow. Where Brendan, did they finish that year? Uh, that's the year Brendan Rodgers got fired and they bought in Klopp the year after. In right. January or February. So the year. year after it nearly was, but yeah. wasn't. Yeah, and then it all went wrong. But they lost to Palace, Real Madrid and someone else crap. Wow. Is it... 
A wobble? Well, that was going to be my... I think they're in a genuine bit of a problem, aren't they? Are they actually having a proper hiccup? Well, well I, what I didn't in... think so. No, I, no, and I still don't, actually. No, I don't no? think they are. I think I discount this morning's result a bit because they made seven changes and they significantly changed their team, as they have done all the way through the FA Cup. And Klopp's never got past this round in the FA Cup. Well, he go. obviously doesn't care about it. No, and I... I when the Watford result happened, my immediate thought was that will be beneficial to Liverpool in terms of the Champions League because I think while they were still unbeaten, it sounds a bit silly to say, but it's almost a bit of a monkey on your back because yeah. it's you know there's this extra pressure about oh can you get through the whole season unbeaten and as much as Klopp would try and downplay that with his players and I'm sure he would, it would a little bit be in everyone's mind, and so I think it can almost you know, make you tired and, you know, there's a lot of pressure that comes with that. So now that's gone and they can go, okay, league's won. Yeah. Let's try and retain Champions League. The, my only concern that is they were awful defensively this morning and they had Joe Gomez and Van Dyke. Oh, Gomez is back. Yes. And at the weekend they were crap and they had Lovren, who was awful, and Van Dyke, who looked shaky. So Liverpool have never really conceded goals they've been brilliant defensively suddenly in the last two weeks they've looked crap and if that kind of if you get a bit arrogant and a bit we've won the league and then something starts going wrong you can get easily into a rhythm they play Bournemouth next week Mm. Bournemouth have got to stay up Bournemouth are going to look at this and go Watford got a result let's go for it and suddenly if they lose another one or two it could be a proper hiccup I yeah I don't see it at the moment I think in all those games other than like Atletico we know what Atletico do at home yeah. and they do it very very well as I said Simeone has never lost a Champions League game there they, the way they play matches up well against Liverpool that wasn't a complete surprise result but Liverpool would still bat themselves in at home I think the um, Watford result was a bit of an anomaly um, Watford were brilliant though Watford were brilliant Gomez and Van Dijk have had this sort of aura of invincibility since Gomez came back in the team and they've been so good. And Klopp rotates, but only in certain positions. Now, essentially, pretty much every league game, he starts with Trent, particularly since he's realised Joe Gomez is a centre-back and he hasn't rotated him with Alexander-Arnold at right back. It's been that four with Robertson and Arnold either side um, and then obviously Alisson in goal. And everything else in the team changes, changes his midfield players, but doesn't change... Those back guys four. much, yeah. yeah. Um, and obviously the keeper. Now, in these other two games we talked about, I think the big thing in the Chelsea one this morning, um, yes, yeah, yes, Gomez and Van Dijk played, but Adrian played, and I think and his howler for the goal, absolute howler. But yeah. I think that axis between your centre backs and your keeper is crucial, and we saw it with Man City, um, why they bought Edison. Because they, you know, maybe they can't defend anyway. But Bravo yeah. was a liability. Um, Liverpool with um, uh, Mignolet. Yeah, and who was the Carius? Oh, Carius, yeah. Uh, absolute liability. So I think there's a bit in that, and I have a suspicion that I, I know what you're saying. Like it's you can't take it for granted, and it's easy to suddenly, you know, there's, get out of the winning habit. I think also Fabinho was crap this morning and at the weekend. He hasn't been playing much though. No, he? I think he's come back from injury, but he was—he just looked a bit slow, a bit leggy, and maybe they're getting a bit tired towards the end of the season. Ross Barkley's second goal this morning, he picks the ball up in his own half 
and just kind of runs with it. Waltzed a bit. And no one tackled him. Everyone just stood off. It was very un-Liverpool like and he just strolled through and shot and it went in. Yeah. Um and if I I, I know it's small hiccup and was suddenly this team that have won twenty five out of twenty six games or whatever like, oh it's a disaster. Um it's a small hiccup. But if it goes for another two or three games, then it's a genuine issue. And yeah. maybe Especially if Man City keep winning. Yeah, suddenly if you they lose three in a row in the league and Man City win all three, suddenly go, Oh, oh no they'll still win the league, but it could kind of peter out into falling over the line. Which rather... would be a shame with the yeah. way they play. But you're right, and I mean the the games come thick and fast. So you can't particularly if they're still in the Champions League, so you can't, you know, take it for granted. But maybe that is also a blessing in terms of going out of the FA Cup. That they can completely narrow their focus essentially to two competitions, yeah, which is they just got retaining the Champions League. And if they if they manage to retain the Champions League and win the league in the way they are, that would be considered probably one of Liverpool's best seasons of all oh, time. Oh yeah, definitely. So I don't think it's panic stations yet. I think the other big miss was Henderson. Yes, which says how good he's been this year. That when he hasn't player of the year hasn't. Potentially, I mean, I still think you wouldn't look too far past Big Verge, yeah. just in terms or of De Bruyne. Ah, uh, yeah, De Bruyne. I think as an individual player, De Bruyne is the best player in the league. He's possibly best player in the world at the moment, and he does things that no one else I can think of can do. But in terms of importance to to the team, and you have, you know, you you you. It, feel like you should give it to a Liverpool player. Yeah, I mean, they are an even yeah. team. I think in an even team, I think Henderson's had an absolutely brilliant year. Yeah. On the um, Watford-Liverpool game, I want to talk about Emiliano Saar. Because um, he... Watford bought him for 25, 30 million in the summer. Um, he's still very young. His finish for the second goal is ridiculous. The pace he showed, the audacity to just chill out and just dink it over Allison, which Allison's the best goalie in the league, possibly the world. I look at Emily, I can't say his name, Saar, and go, he's the next Mane. He's the kind of next kind of someone. Mane did really well at Southampton and then got picked up by Liverpool. I can see Saar getting picked up by Liverpool or Man City or Man United next year and being a superstar. I think it's really, really I good. I think the biggest thing for me on that goal was that it was the first bit, which is where he held his run and mm. he had to really, really hold his run. It wasn't easy because the play kind of got held up a little bit and you could see him. He was like itching to go, but he timed it perfectly. And I think if there's, you know, been a criticism of him, it's sort of those those aspects of his game where he has to think a bit. It's the end product. Or he's clearly got all the raw ingredients. Like he's super quick, he's strong, he's tricky. Um, you know, he can score goals, but um, has he necessarily got the composure to go with it? And I saw that and I'm like, oh, he's getting it. You know, yeah. I feel like at the start of this year, I was a bit unsure about him and I think he just would have run he would have been offside. Whereas now, I think, and he, Pearson seems to have um, yeah, he's, got things right and sort yeah. of freed him up a bit as well. But yeah, no, I agree. I think he looks he looks really exciting and I think you've got to give Pearson a huge amount of credit. We talked about Watford, have they stalled um, in the last few weeks? And to suddenly turn that around with a you know, a 3-0 at Liverpool should give him, you know, a bit of impetus again. Um, bit of a left-field one about Watford. Troy Deeney, who was brilliant again, 
Kane's injured. Tammy Abraham's injured. Do you chuck Troy Deeney in the Euro squad? Isn't he Irish? No, he's English. Is he? Yeah. Name like Deeney? Troy Deeney. English, through and through. Um, because well, he is a bulldozer. He's a bit different. He would love playing for England. He's a leader. He brings young players through at Watford. And he holds the ball up really well. And if you're looking for a goal or something a bit different, like it's the old Andy Carroll thing, chuck Andy Carroll on. I think Deeney's a better player than Andy Carroll, a bit smarter. His finish against Liverpool was brilliant um, and took a cool head to do it. I don't. I, if, How many strikers are we going to take? Uh, six, I think, if you include the wide people. So your Sterlings would count as a striker. No, I don't include those. Okay. Actual strikers. Like Kane will go, obviously. Kane. I think we'll take three. Abraham and one other. And then Rashford can fill in in the middle yeah. if you need to. So, I, I mean, is it between... It's DCL. There's DCL, there's Ings. Um, I've got a feeling my... I think Southgate... Callum go, Wilson. I think Southgate will go DCL if he continues to play the way he is because he knows him. Yeah. That bit. And I think Southgate's shown that he really he'll sort of trust his instincts on that. And the you know, when he when he's coached them at a younger level, um, he's you know, he'll he'll I just think won't just be the current form. Dini no, I get it. Be, yeah. He could be a wild card. Like if you chuck yeah. him in there for a finals and no defence really will know what's he's completely different to an international striker. They won't know what he's come up against. He will play really well with quick people around him. He does. Like, he has yeah. Jerry, and, who's out for the season now, um, and Saar, and people like that around him at Watford. He knows how to bring them into the game. And you're right, game. he's smart. He's, you know, he's a... I mean, I, I agree with you, and I'd love to, to, to see him on that stage and see if he can do it. Um, I've just got a feeling he won't get the opportunity. I don't necessarily, yeah. you know, think that's the right choice. Um but it's, you know, you've got to leave someone out. And I think the only other thing with it is, can you take him if he hasn't You'd have to played? chuck him in the friendlies now yeah. and just go, give it a go, see what happens. And why wouldn't you? Like, yeah. I mean, we know Kane's going to, if Kane's fit, he'll play. If Kane's not fit, we need to explore our options. If Kane and Sterling aren't fit. And Abraham. And Rashford. And Rashford. We really need to explore our options. Yeah. Um, let's move off Liverpool being uh, losers. And let's look at the Champions League. Uh, Spurs lost to Wolves at home 3-2, which made me so happy. Hold on. I just thought of something. Yeah. I feel like Liverpool fans are going to get annoyed with us if we don't at least briefly mention their run. Like, okay. let's. We should nod to Liverpool and say, how many games unbeaten was it? it 44. Was 44 games unbeaten. 422 days. They won 39 of their 44 matches. It's not bad. At 2.77 a game points. during their unbeaten run. Is that 2.77 points per game? Per game. Yeah. Which is better than when Man City set the record points target of 100 points. So I just... It's pretty special. It's pretty amazing. And the only other thing I thought about with this, that I was kind of a bit disappointed, was the Arsenal unbeaten team really that good? <sighs> Well, it was very good because they didn't lose. They must have drawn a lot of games. They though. lost. Yeah, in the, um, they drew 12, I think, in that Invincible season. So 126 drew 12, which is a lot. 
Uh, and towards the end, it became a thing of just make sure we don't lose so we get the... Inv- they wanted the invent- Invincibles thing. So there yeah. was a lot of one-all draws and just holding out. But I sort of feel like if you stack those two teams up against each other, I feel like Liverpool over the last season... So I mean... 38 games. Yeah, this yeah. season and last season, I think is one of the best... They would have smashed I've, that Arsenal I've team. ever seen, yeah. Yeah, I think they would smash that Arsenal I team. think it's peak, between the peak Man City and peak Liverpool. And yeah. there's probably, you know, a blade of grass between them. Yeah. But let's turn on to Jose Mourinho failing at Spurs because it makes me so happy. Yeah, I'm also happy about this. So <laughs> <laughs> They played uh, Wolves at home and went ahead twice went and then got drawn back. And then a uh, friend of the pod, Raul Jimenez, scored the winner. <laughs> Um, assisted by uh, his good mate and also friend of the pod, Diego Jota. Jota, who still was a bit crap in my head. <laughs> um, but it's basically falling apart. And he, so Jose decided to not play for Tongan and not play Alderweireld at centre-back and play three centre-backs, one of which was Eric Dyer, who hasn't played for the last three or four weeks and is the slowest man on the planet. And doesn't really play centre-back anymore, like he did when he was a kid. He's just completely dropped off. I don't know what it was. He had that injury, but I feel like I was quite bullish about Eric Dyer when he yeah. sort of first you know, came into the England squad. I'm like, okay, this, this guy's know, good. guy looks like he can play. And he's just completely lost his way. He's completely lost it. But then they played um, Tangange and Davison and Sanchez as centre-backs because they're quick. So that was the theory. Uh, Tangange had an awful game. Um, and he made the error for the first goal where it bounced off his knee and went everywhere. Um, and they looked a mess. And Mourinho is there to go, I'll make the defence work and then we'll make sure we win. They keep conceding two or three a game. I just really want it to go wrong and it is going wrong and it's brilliant. I love it. Yeah, I I think it is going wrong. And my only... And I've got a feeling what Mourinho will say. He'll throw his hands up in the air and he'll say, it's not my team, it's not my squad. You know, I, I wanted to spend money and sign players. What can I do with these players? And this is what I was saying last mm. week. I think Spurs and Levy are in a difficult position because they sort of, you know, do you now, are you confident with the direction? Do you back if this you, guy? Yeah, yeah. If you put Mourinho in, then you have to give him three transfer windows and you have to give him money to spend. Yeah. But he didn't want to give Pochettino money to spend. And I just think if Mourinho doesn't get money, it's going to be exactly what happened at United. You can see it. The bitter, you know, the days of him when he arrived at Spurs, you know, and, yeah. and saying that I'm a different man now. I've chilled All out. Gone. Everything's got, that's gone. Yeah, he's back yeah. to this sort of and bitter, after this game, man. After this game, though, he was kind of positive. He came out and said, oh, we played really well. And Eric Dyer was brilliant. The first thing he said was Eric Dyer was brilliant, which is obviously... I've picked this guy and he's played crap, but now I need to big him up. Hmm. Um, and everyone can see it. And it's, it's the dishonesty with Jose. You just, it's all lies. They played awfully. And he's like, oh yeah, we played really well. We did, I don't know how we didn't win this game. You didn't win that game because Wolves were a way better side than you. And they haven't been playing well for weeks. Like I think they no. got a few results, which actually masked the fact that they weren't playing very well. They got a few late winners. But the other thing is, I look at this game, Wolves are a better team. I think oh, way Wolves, better. Wolves are a far... I wasn't surprised at this result at all. I think Wolves are a far more settled team. They have a way of playing. The players, they've got a better suited to that. They've got some really good players. The um talked about Tanganga having a bad game. Yeah. The bit where he bounced off... Yeah. Um, 
Uh, for the goal? Uh, yeah, flying right winger for Wolves. For Doherty. We love it. No, no, no. Jota. Um, Troy. Troy, yes. So Troy's running with the ball. Was, yeah. uh, which was that first goal or second goal? Troy's yeah. running with the ball and then ta- someone. You, you, the way that the camera footage was on it was yeah. amazing. It was kind of zoomed in quite close to Troy. Yeah. And then suddenly from out of shot, you can't really see it. Someone comes herring in. To you know, take to, man and ball, and then just bounces and just off. completely bounces off. And I don't think there's another player in the Premier League that could have like taken that hit. And Tanganga is not small. It's not a small man, no. no. And like Troy just, oh yeah, I'll carry on. I thought that was amazing. And uh, but I like, Would you know, you... you you don't rate Jota and Jimenez, but I think as a front three, yeah, that you know they they're into play but you know between each other and the way that you know they they're set up to get the best out of those players there's something about that front 3 for some i just don't think they're very good i think nuno espirito santo is a brilliant coach and he's yeah. getting the i think you rate Traore, though don't you this season y- yes he's better but <laughs> but i think if you take those three individuals out and put them in a spurs or a man united they just become a Jesse Lingard or a Deli Alley and just kind of float off and don't really perform. I think they're in a perfect scenario where the team works for them and they have a system that they've played in for two or three years that they really know and like. And I think that's why Wolves are doing well. I think Wolves' problem comes, and this is where we find out if um, Santos as good as we think he is, then when they have to renew the team and go to the next level, in my opinion, they're basically favourites to get top four. I think they're a better team than Chelsea right now. They're a better team than Man United. They're a better team than Spurs right now. So they should get top four. They could win the Europa League. They get there. They have to make that team better. They have to refresh it and they have to add to it. So And can... probably a bigger squad. If they're in a Champions because he likes to have a small 20, yes. you know, 26, 27-man squad that he can... You know, and, and have much smaller than that, they'll actually play. Yeah, and they also play on the counter attack a lot. Whereas, if you're a Champions League team and you're a top four team, the bottom half of the Premier League just maybe just shuts up shop. Mm. And you've got to have the people in that team to be clever enough to get through that. And so, I'm intrigued to see where if they can go to the next level. If they can, then he's a brilliant coach. I think he might even get snapped up before then, though, is the only thing. Yeah. He's, but coach. I suppose, why? I mean, why would he go? Because he's, if he's got the financial backing... There's no need the to players. go anywhere. But I think the Wolves winner in this game as well was just, you know, summed it up. It was a brilliant goal, brilliant counter-attack, and the... Um, Jota was great after we gave him um, yep. some shit last week. <laughs> he, he is uh, on fire at the moment. He, he um, yeah. definitely, definitely produced, and it was a great finish by Jimenez as well. But yeah, not surprised. Like, and I agree with you. I think, um, um, I think he's a really good coach. Um, so the other race for the Champions League game was Everton against Man United. Um, really? Can we really say that well, race for the Champions League? That's a bit generous. Everton are in eleventh, but they are only five points off fifth. So. If they were sixth and five points off. Man City haven't been banned yet. No, it's true. And the appeal's gone through. Um, But it was a one-all draw, which in my opinion, having watched the whole thing, was fair. But I guess we start with Everton's supposed winner in the last minute. Was it offside uh, or was it a goal? Well, no, I don't know why this one's up for debate. Thank you. This is one of those weird. This is what frustrates me about VR because there's been so much of VR this season that's been shit. But then I get really annoyed because 
you get all this noise and people getting angry about the ones that are clearly not goals. Yeah. Or clearly goals. Yeah. Whereas I really let's Jeff focus on where they get it wrong, not when they not yes. when they get it right. I mean, he is in an offside position. Yeah. Which nobody would argue with. Yeah. And then, so your only argument is he's not interfering with play. And he has, he to, has to lift his leg yeah. for the ball to be able <laughs> yeah. to go through. That's interfering. That's interfering, yeah. I, to me, this was an absolute no-brainer. Yeah. Like, I like it. I don't mind that Ancelotti got angry in the heat. No, I enjoyed that. And he gets sent off. And he's not normally like that. And I guarantee those Everton fans will love him even That's the more big now. dunk influence, I yeah. reckon. Big dunk making him angry. They He will have endeared himself to the Everton fans, no doubt there. But I... Yeah, I thought that was ridiculous. The question I've got for you on this game. Yeah. Uh, De Gea obviously had a, a bit of a mare yes. for the Everton goal. Yeah. Um, and the way it's been covered is that Pickford also had a mare for the United goal. Yeah. Now, we talked about some of the reporting around Pickford. I actually thought this one was a little bit harsh. Yeah, I agree. What do you... Well, on the De Gea one, I... Really liked Ollie's uh, reaction to it. In the post-match interview, he's, they said, oh, the first goal um, was a bit of a mistake. And he just laughed it off and went, yeah, these things happen, never mind. And I enjoyed that. Like, they, Yes, he should have got rid of it quicker, but it's the first two minutes. You just don't expect that to happen. It will happen one in a thousand games, and it happened whatever. I mean, you look on. at where the ball it hits DCL's foot, yeah. like his heel. Like that's it could quite go, a small target. Yeah. And it could have gone anywhere. Um, and he could have kicked it two inches high and it would have gone straight over his foot. So it's a, a perfect storm of chaos. But that, he is not a keeper that is comfortable playing. He's not the, the best playing. No, no, he's not the best at playing it out. But the rest of the game, he was very good. And he made a couple of really good saves. So it kind of, for me, it's not an issue. Made a couple of brilliant saves, yeah. Um, the Pickford one, um, he... He kind of dives over it. So I get, I think the people complaining about it is that you've made the effort to get that far and you've made it over there. You should be saving it, which, yes, correct. But what happens is the ball's passed out and then very quickly it gets turned over. Bruno Fernandes picks it up. And I think everyone in the Premier League is going to learn pretty soon. If he gets it within 30 yards, he just shoots. He doesn't think. And he, I, he really got hold of it. Like and that he just ball was travelling, and yeah. it bounced right in front of Pickford. Yeah. Now, as a keeper, it one of the hardest things to deal with when there's a shot, especially if it's a bit skiddy, is when it bounces just in front of you because you don't know: do I go down or do I try and stay up? And then yeah. it's just a really difficult. It's like stick or twist. And I, but I I watched it a few times, and I'm like. I th- I don't think the strike has been given enough credit. Like he yep. absolutely leathered it and caught that and so sweet, and it moved. And not, I mean, I I didn't realise that he was as good a player as he looks like he's going to be when you signed him. But I think he looks really good to the point where we're not talking about the fact that Pogba is. Got yeah, Pogba in. doesn't really matter <laughs> no, at the moment. No, he's, really he's really good. Um, and come straight in and do it. Like, I mean, yeah. it, you know, you usually take a while to adapt. This guy just looks like he's taken it in his stride. He's obviously got enough confidence yeah. to do it. I mean, he's come from the Portuguese league, which isn't like... It's not the one it's, of the big it's okay, five. okay, but it's yeah. not one of the big five leagues. And yeah. yeah, he was the main man there. But to suddenly come to the Premier League and a club like United and do that... 
My it's only great. fear, he, he's playing really well at the moment and is exciting and he's full of confidence. And making Fred play better. Fred looks like a world beater right now. Um, but Man United have a history of the De Maria's of this world or Pogba's coming in and we break them. And something goes wrong, whether it's a confidence thing or they get too big for their boots or they don't they lose faith in the manager or something goes wrong um so I hope that we one get the players to live up to his expectations and the rest of the players live I'm like Fred is getting better so playing at the standard that he needs to be around but at the moment he's brilliant but does it make you think about Pogba though because I look at this and I'm like this is what Pogba should be doing. Yeah. Like Pogba well, imagine would, you had both would of them be in the same team. And he'd be considered one of the best players in the world. He's just yeah. won a World Cup and he was, you know, he was brilliant at times in that World yeah. Cup. Like I think of the final and some of the passes that he played and there aren't many players in the world that can do what Pogba can do and he should be taking what is a relatively inexperienced Man United team and seeing it as a challenge to go you know what I'm going to try and drag us back up to where Liverpool I'm going to be the main man I'm going to be the main man but he's not and I I think that is a huge indictment on him as a player well and I think that comes yeah and down to his attitude because someone else who played really well in this game was Harry Maguire and Harry Maguire has turned into Man United's captain He's in the ref's face, he's talking, he's shouting at everyone. He's just grabbed hold of that role and gone, you know what? Yeah, I can be captain of Man United and I can own this and I can be an authority on the pitch. I can tell players what to do. I can enthuse everyone, get everyone on board and going in the right direction and be the manager on the pitch. And he's doing it and good on him. He's not going, oh, I'm getting paid 250k a week and they cost paid 80 million for me. I should be in the Champions League. His attitude is... I'm going to play brilliantly for this club, and he's looking great. And it didn't have, you know, it didn't make the most auspicious start to his time at United. Mm. He's sort of grown into the role, yeah. and I didn't necessarily think he had that in him. And I think it's good for England too, because if he can carry that on for United, he can take that. And it just, I mean, some players just have it, have that ability to be, yeah. like you say, the coach on the pitch and the organizer. And they're not necessarily the best player all the time, but they have it. Um, and I'm, but I'm more impressed that I think he seems to be developing that. Yeah, and I think um, a little bit of a kudos to Ollie as well is that he's gone. Harry Maguire, you're the main man. Lindelof, you're his partner. De Gea, you're the guy. Is that three basically play every game? And now we're 28 games into the season. You see a three that are played together all the time. Yes, they make mistakes and make errors, but you can see the understanding. They know where each other are. Um, and you talk about Spurs, Jose, just changing the centre-backs constantly. How can you get build up a partnership and get in a rhythm and get used to playing together? You can't. Um, no, I completely agree. So what do you... You talked about Wolves being better than Chelsea and Man United, and I feel like you... you quite bullish about United two weeks in a row now mm-hmm. um, are Chelsea going to slip out of the top four and do you see Man United and Wolves taking the, the fourth and fifth positions what about Leicester are Leicester going to keep falling well I think let's we'll go to the Bournemouth Chelsea game it's a good segue Rog um, Chelsea I just think they're so hot and cold like the whole of Chelsea is like watching a 19 year old player play they're brilliant one week, awful the next. Brilliant one week, they get it wrong, they get it right. They're world beaters. This morning, they were great. 
And then at the weekend against Bournemouth, they were so crap and they can't hit a barn door. They can't. But we fin- talked about Chelsea doing this at the start of the year before a ball had been kicked. Yeah. We said they haven't been assigned anyone. They're going to play some kids. They're going to play some inexperienced players. They've got an inexperienced manager. It's going to be great because we're going to see that, but... It's going to be inconsistent. It's going to be inconsistent. Yeah. And I think over a whole season, that gets found out. So I do think Chelsea won't hit top four. I probably would go Wolves fourth, Man United fifth at the moment. Because um, I just don't see Chelsea scoring enough goals. I think there's an issue with the goalkeeper. They played Kepper in goal this morning against Liverpool, which I think was really good. And good on him. Like, did you see his reaction when he yeah, made he like, did a... I didn't actually think any of those saves was that spectacular. But, but I enjoyed I, his I, fist pump. I, yeah, I liked his reaction. And that, to me, said a player that has something to prove and wants to... It's not just sulking about getting dropped. He wants yeah. to get his position back. But they've got to sort out a way to win ugly. They definitely don't win when they play badly. They lose or they draw to Bournemouth, who have been awful. Um, and they let the, that game go, I think, because with Chelsea were in control for a huge amount of that game. They were playing good football again, good to watch, didn't score. Bournemouth go at the other end, score two quick goals. Yeah. You know, it, it's And that's the highlight of an ex- inexperienced team. You can see two yeah. in five minutes. If you concede one, if you've got an experienced team, they just go, shut down. None of this. We just make boring football for five minutes and we just keep hold of the ball, we boot it along, do whatever we need to. You don't concede again three minutes later to let it in. So, But you have to credit, I suppose, that at least they got a point and nearly got a winner. Alonso nearly got the most yes. unlikely of hat-tricks. He yeah. should have scored the header. The, the header end. at the end. But I did appreciate his first goal because he was about four yards out. But <laughs> he just walloped. Absolutely walloped it. <laughs> like, probably completely unnecessary, yeah. but it was, yeah, you, you always enjoy those ones. But yeah, look, I, like, I I agree with you, and I think Chelsea might drop out, but I also think that we have to give them some credit for the fact that that's where they are. Well, they I, are still in pole position to finish fourth at this, this far through the year. I predicted that they could, as my wildcard prediction for the year, I put that Chelsea or Man United were finishing the bottom half of the league. So I genuinely believe one of those teams was going to finish in the bottom half. And if I'm honest, I thought Chelsea was the most likely. And I could see them finishing 12th and everyone go, oh, it's okay, it's Frank. It's yeah. okay. Don't worry about it. We've got this far into the season. They're coming fourth. Everyone suddenly goes, oh, come on, Frank, sort it out. You do, you, you've got to get there now. Um, so, yeah, you're right. The expe- expectations have changed because they've performed so well. They've I got ju- a few players coming back too. We saw Loftus-Cheek back, yes. back from injury, which I think is massive because I think it gives them something that um, not a lot of their players do. hudson Odoi should be back soon as well. So they, they, um, What's happened to Pulisic? Is he, he's injured. He's still injured. Yeah. But I mean, they're getting a few players, but I think the big one is up front. And I was really surprised that they didn't sign in yeah. January. Well, so I think so. Frank Lampard was surprised as well because they really wanted someone. On this game, I really wanted to... Um, mentioned Billing, who plays for Bournemouth. Philip Billing. Philip Billing. He's really, really good, but also so crap. He's got everything you want. He's big, he's strong, he's quick, can pass, can tackle, box-to-box midfielder. But when it matters, it all goes wrong. His decision-making is awful. If he can sort out decision-making, final ball or finishing... You got a top four midfielder. Yeah, I think he looks really good. So he's I got everything. But has he? I also wonder whether he's one of these slightly cursed 
players because I thought he also <laughs> looked really good at Huddersfield. So he's always going to get relegated. relegated. Is yes. he now going to look really good at Bournemouth? Relegated. Someone else will sign him. And maybe no, you're good. right. Maybe he's. You look at him and you, you could imagine a scout going to watch him and going, going, "Oh, this, this guy, guy. Yeah, yeah, brilliant." Yeah. But then maybe it just doesn't quite. It just makes add up. one massive error every game, or the opportunity to win a game he never takes. Yeah. Well, that's a fair point. Um, let's go on to... We're going down to the bottom of the league now, talking Bournemouth. Norwich beat Leicester 1-0 on the Friday night Massive game. Massive result. Does that mean Norwich can still stay up? Of course they can. I, I it's six hope points. so. You know, they're, they're, they're six points. So, I mean, the sad thing for me is I have a horrible feeling that we're now down to seven teams... For the relegation battle, yeah, I think um, Newcastle safe. Do you reckon? Uh, no, I'm keeping Newcastle and Southampton in it. I'm okay, just, I'm saying that Palace might be safe. We'll talk about Palace in a minute. Unfortunately, yep. um, but I thought this was a great result for Norwich. Great finish. Um, I think Leicester are definitely look a bit tired. Again, Rogers hasn't. They haven't got a massive squad. Haven't rotated it that much. We've Madison's talked, gone off the boil Mad- a lot. Madison's gone off the boil, and Didi's been injured. All of a sudden, you're very Vardy's no injured. Vardy. Yeah, you realise that they're very reliant on those players, and when not, they're not there, they're not as good. Um, and and do you think um, Brendan Rogers doesn't do well in the limelight? So when Liverpool were doing really well and then they were going to win the league and then it kind of all, it kind of seemed to make slightly odd decisions and it all went wrong. And at Celtic, he won everything, but no one gave a shit about Scottish football. Leicester, oh, just in the background. Oh, suddenly they're in the top three and everyone's looking at them. He seems to panic within the spotlight. So I don't know whether he's just, he hasn't quite got that ability to be a top, top manager because he gets flustered at the very top. Yeah, maybe. I mean, when we, he got pretty close with Liverpool, but he still went wrong. <laughs> he did, did go wrong, yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I just, um, I think credit Norwich in this game. Like it was a very even game, and I think this is what Norwich need to do because they've played well in a lot of games this year and have got no results. So, so I think a one nil is they, they they could do with a few of those. I am um, so I knew we were going to talk about the bottom of the league, so I had a look at the fixtures for teams coming up. Okay. Norwich, in their last 10 games, play Sheffield United... Well, the next games are Sheffield United, Southampton, Everton, Arsenal, Brighton, Watford, West Ham. Um, so they play a lot of teams around them. If you look at... Um, they Bright- need to win a few of those. But they do. But if you look at people like Brighton, who have to play Wolves, Arsenal, Man United, Liverpool, Man City... Leicester, West Ham have to play Arsenal, Spurs, Wolves, Chelsea, Man United. They've got big games coming mm. up. So I think if Norwich have had a, the majority of their big games done, they're out of the way, they're sorted. Um, if you can get a string of results together, if you win two or three in a row, I don't think, like earlier in the season we were talking about, oh, you're, you're going to need 40 points to stay up because everyone's a bit more even. I don't think that's actually true. I think... Those bottom teams are going to struggle to get points. I would say Crystal Palace are safe on 36. If you can get to 36 points, I think you'll be safe. For Norwich, that's 15 points. So they need five wins. I can see five wins so in their... Half, half their games. But I can see them winning five games. If they get it right and they get a bit of momentum, um, 
I can see them winning five. They play Sheffield United away this week. Is 36 going to be enough? I mean, that's something that's that you're saying that they've got to overhaul a Brighton or a West Ham or a Watford, which means those teams only need three wins. Yeah. But I, at this time of the season, Brighton haven't won all season. Brighton, uh, sorry, all season, all, all year. year. They're the only team in England that haven't won a game in 2020 in all four divisions. Newcastle? Newcastle, Newcastle have won. won. They've won one in the last nine. But but you go on. Everyone yeah, goes on runs will get like sucked that. in. You're right, and there's always a team, and and all you need is a run. Like we saw it with Leicester the year before they won the league. If you can get on a run, and I mean Norwich have, they play good enough football. To, yeah. To to win to win those games, I think. So I think they they the thing with Norwich has been they haven't been ruthless enough in front of goal, and they've conceded too many. Um, two people I wanted to mention for Norwich, Jamal Lewis's goal was really good. Um, outside of the left foot. Like the way... It curled love in. that when they cut across the football. Yeah. Um, and it's going and it outside. Goes at, yeah, it was, yeah, great finish. And they're right back, Max Ahrens. Yeah. It's the first time I've watched a whole game with him playing. He's really good. Yeah, I watched quite a lot of him in the championship. And he's, he's yeah, a proper he's, player. Yeah. Um, the last thing on that game as well, Ian Atro scored a goal that was given as a handball. And... It bounces off the Norwich defender's hand onto his hand, but brushes it, and then he runs through some scores. Is I know it's because of the law that it's not a goal, but it's really underwhelming to watch because there is, it's pure. I'm just running, and the ball has scraped my arm slightly, and then I score a great goal, and it gets wiped off because of VAR, and they, it's just awful. Yeah, I agree. That one should be a goal. Yeah, like it's kind of, I think you almost just need to simplify it. And you watch that one, and you're like, that should be a goal. Like yeah. if that was a goal, nobody would complain nobody, about it, yeah. or the ball just bobbled around a bit. Like you said, it hit both their hands. Yeah, but it's just the way that oh, it's this weird, ambiguous way that we're. And the, the, my biggest thing, this is probably my the rule I dislike the least of all the VAR stuff is what they've done with the handball rule, and just we will referee it one way for one event. So if that was in general play. No it's goal. Fine. They probably would have just played on. Yeah. But then because it's a goal, we're going to disallow it. You can't change the rule because of the outcome. And in theory, if they're changing it to be a handball so it can't be a goal, it should be a free kick to Leicester because the Norwich person handballed it first. And so what did happen? So it was a free kick to um, Norwich because it was a handball against Iheanacho. Yeah. So that just makes no that's sense. Wrong. Yeah, yeah, and wouldn't it can wouldn't they cancel each other yeah, out? Yeah, Cause it, yeah. yeah, it's just you know, yeah, all kinds of wrong. It's just one of those ones where it shouldn't be like that, and I could understand his frustration, and he showed a bit this year. To be fair, um, let's move on to Palace. You wanted to talk about Palace, Rog. Um, they scraped a one nil win away at Brighton. Well, I watched this game. This was the early oh, one. That is an awful game. Oh, I know, to watch. but it was the early one, so you oh. don't, I'm not going to stay up till two a.m. to watch the three o'clock kickoffs. No. Um, so I. Went for the early game, oh. and it's. I thought Palace Brighton. You know, there's always it's a derby. There's always a lot of feeling yeah. in the game. I thought it could be interesting. It was grim. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, but you can say what you like about Roy and Palace, but I so gross. I'm so sick of it. It's just that, and it, every time, and I was I went to bed at you know nil nil and at half time, just for half time. 
And I was like, please say Brighton win. And I just, we, we yeah. talked about this. I want Potter to succeed at Brighton. And I want yeah. someone that's doing something a bit different and more exciting and trying to play football. I want that to win rather than this Steve Bruce and Roy Hodgson anti-football of we just must survive. Yeah. But there, at the moment, Hodgson looks like he's going to survive. And it, I don't want it to happen. Like, he's had a 1-0 win against Newcastle and a 1-0 win against Brighton. And he was so proud and, afterwards. And, and he was like, oh, brilliant results. Yeah. Two 1-0 was in a row. Brilliant. Or they were just getting in a bit of a pickle. And after that, all of a sudden, they look like they're, they're just about there. They've got Ben Teke up front. I've never seen... Uh, a football player falls so far and still play every week. That's <laughs> yeah, true. Like he just can't. Although his assist for the goal was good. His assist for the goal was but did you see when he was through on goal oh, yeah, his yeah. absolute shank? Yeah. Like he's just he looked really good at Villa. Yeah. And it must be a confidence thing. I've heard confidence. I heard an interview with someone that was at Villa at the same time as him, and in training they said he was crap. So always in training, he never seemed to be able to score. Like do shooting practice and it would go left, right, all over the place, couldn't score. But they all gave him those pass because like, oh, on a Saturday, it's okay because he puts it in the top corner. As soon as he stopped doing that, which he has now, turns out he's pretty crap. So maybe he was just always pretty crap and had a good season. He just Yeah, he was just lucky. Well, okay. But it, I just, you know, I watched the game and it just made me angry because Palace was so negative and, you know, they let Brighton play in front of them. And they just sat back and, you know, we'll defend first and then, oh, we'll try and hit them on the counter attack with Wolf Sahar. And yeah. it was that, that's it. That's all they've got. Did you see Zaha's miss at the very last minute? So they, they're 1-0 up. The last, they're Brighton are going for it. And Cenk Tosun has come on for Benteke and they run through and they're basically through. And Tosun is got to just pass it to Zaha and he can tap it in. Tosun passes it too far wide and then... Zaha is out left and he just needs to pass it in with his left foot but tries to hit it with the outside of his right foot and it hits the post and goes flying out. This is Palace. Like, yeah. they fuck up the easiest finish. <laughs> uh, but it just, yeah, it's just grim but it's probably going to work and I mean, Roy Hodgson will get credit again and I do, that was a big result for them and a big result for Brighton. I think Brighton really needed to win that game. They're in a bit of a... They got a bad run of games. I think. I mean, this is what I say. I think that was a big result because I now think that Palace, in all likelihood, are safe. They're probably one one win, and I think I'm pretty confident that 39 points would keep you up this year. So I think we're now from Southampton down, and I think that of those teams that might get sucked in, Newcastle and Brighton. I mean, we, I don't know if we're going to talk about West Ham, but they had a good win. I think Newcastle and Brighton are the most likely. Yeah. Let's touch on New White West Ham because talking of dull and boring old managers, David Moyes got a win. Way. Shockingly, if you play the guy, the guy that you paid 20 million for <laughs> and start him... He plays really well and scores a goal. Jared Bowen was excellent. And he looked really bright and like, you know, all the things he thought he was when they signed him. Although he definitely looks like a championship player. Yeah, he does. He looked fat. He looked like Lee Trundle. He looked like a bit podgy. And he's not fat. He's definitely oh, fat. Oh, you're being harsh. No, then. no, no. He he's not Lee Trundle fat. Lee Trundle, by the way, is proper lower league Gazza. I yeah. love Lee Trundle. He, <laughs> Lee Trundle was... For everyone at home, watch Lee Trumbull. Oh, yeah, watch his highlight reel. He was amazing. He came, when he came to Bristol City, I was so excited. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, but uh, yeah, West Ham got their win. Um, they 
starting Boeing, smart move, started Antonia, Antonio and played really well again. And they played Antonio with Haller, which gave Haller someone to play with. Haller's a way better player when he plays in yeah, a pair. Yeah, and I thought when Bowen as well, like all of a sudden you put a few... I think Haller's link-up play has been good this mm. year. Yes, he hasn't maybe scored the goals, but I think... I don't know if they've necessarily played to his strengths. Um, yeah, totally. And my uh, surprise player of the year... Oh, Fornells. Fornells, yeah. Didn't he just get subbed off because he didn't do anything? No, didn't he score? Or was that last no, week? No, it was last week. Ah. Um, Look out for him. <laughs> did you want to talk about uh, Newcastle at all, Rog? Newcastle? Only, very briefly. So that game was dull as dog shit. Against Burnley, they against drew Burnley. nil nil. So they've had a few. They've had multiple games in a row like this. Although this morning, obviously, that wasn't the case. No, they won three two in they the FA Cup this morning. Three goals, but I mean, I just it's basically Sim Maximan. I'm on board. Yeah. The with Jeff's thoughts there. I think, think he's I, brilliant. I think he's brilliant. Um I'm really I'm growing on Almiron. Yeah, good. I think Almiron's good too. Yeah. yeah. I think so they, they do have some exciting players, but generally they play horrible football. Now I just I read something interesting about Nico, it's a couple of weeks old, but if you look at essentially every metric that they measure in the Premier League. Yeah. So, you know, there's huge amounts of data. Stats that, everywhere. Opta? Is it yeah, Opta? yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, so successful passes, um, you know, successful dribbles. Forward crosses, passes. Forward passes, yeah. like everything. And if you look at them all, Newcastle are essentially in the bottom three teams for almost every single metric. <laughs> but they're not in the bottom three. Now, I think that, to me, says something. And over the course of a year, if you continue to do that, the chances are you will end up in the bottom three. You know, they're the lowest scorers in the league. I think they've scored 24 goals in their 28 games for the whole season. That's pretty bad. In the FA Cup, they're the highest scorers in the Cup. They've scored more than anyone else in the Cup. See, that, to me, is on Steve Bruce. Because it's yeah. clearly like he's saying, we're not worried about the FA Cup, you can go for it. Yeah, just enjoy but it. in the Premier League... We must survive. We're going to play with the handbrake on. Yeah. Um, but I just think when you look at that, I worry for Newcastle a bit. You know, you need, they still need to win some games. And the yeah. way they're going at the moment, I could very, like, you know, we talked about Watford getting a bit of momentum. If someone, you know, either Villa or Norwich or Bournemouth can do the same, they might get sucked in. Um, let's move on to the League Cup final. It was a League Cup final this weekend. The most underwhelming of all cup finals uh man city played villa and one two one it was basically nice it was a training drill it was a training drill but a training drill where we got to watch phil foden play for a whole game which was great as an england fan how good is phil foden he's got he's got to go to euros like everyone's been it's you know it's been in all the papers this week and so i sort of feel like we're jumping on everyone's coattails a bit talking about him but I think you have to because he looked so good he looked like you know some of his touches he does are just ridiculous there's the one that um, where the ball comes over yeah, and it just Rodri that played it yeah. and he's on the run yeah. and he took it down the ball's coming sort of over his left shoulder so it's coming from the left hand side of the pitch and he's on the right hand side of the box and he kills it with his left foot but completely in stride yeah. and there are not many players in the Premier League that can do that. And no. I think he can do that all those things. That touch was a Zidane-esque touch. When I saw the, I was just yeah. like, that's something Zidane used to do. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're spot on. But I think, and he can do, you know, 
we know he can dribble and he's got that um he surprises you he's got that drop of shoulder and, and the suddenly change of pace that where he can drift past people without really looking like he's trying mm. very hard we and he can you know pick a pass he's the kind of player that other teams in the Premier League would probably build their whole team around yeah um but you would think that he has also been learning under Pep now I hope what's happening is that Pep has been grooming him to then you know take over from say a David Silva David Silva has been, in my mind, one of the best signings in Premier League history. I think he's been one of the best players in the last 10 years. I think he's a genius. Yes, definitely. But he's probably... I think this, his contract runs out the yeah, end of he, year. Yeah, he wants to go back to Spain and finish his career at his home club, which I can't remember what it is. Yeah, but yeah. so I think this is his last season. Yeah. Um, now, whilst he hasn't exactly been a regular, I you would hope that... Well, Pep's come out and said, we're not signing a replacement for Silva. Foden is the replacement for Silva. He's come out and publicly said, when Silva retires or goes back to Spain, yeah. Phil Foden gets his spot. I just hope that happens. Because I just, yeah. it kind of, it validates, I mean, I'm not a Man City fan, but it, you know, it validates Foden's patience. And there aren't, I think a lot of young players that have got the talent he has would have gone, no, I'm sick of this. And they would have, you know, yeah. thrown the toys out of the pram and I'm, I'm going. Yeah. So I hope that he gets that, chance because i just i haven't watched that i just want to see him play you, i just want to see it's yeah, like de bruyne yeah. you just want to see him play yeah. um de bruyne didn't play in this game so i was a bit like oh it's a man city training drill yeah. but then i got so excited watching foden it was brilliant so good so yeah he's got to play um so let's go on to side stories rog um is there any way you wanted to start we've got a few side stories this evening um can we go to the bundesliga yeah sure so you're talking about the banners? Yes. So in the Bundesliga, and this came up on Facebook, Chris on Facebook sent this through to us. Um, Dietmar Hopp is the owner of Hoffenheim. He Billionaire. Yes, say. he set up the um, tech company SAP, S-A-P. So you might see the logo in various places. I've never heard of them, but it's uh, not surprising. But they're huge. Technology. Yep. So Hoffenheim were his home club. Um, and so he bought them and bought them up from... Lower league, non-league. Fifth tier, Fifth tier in 2000, up to the Bundesliga in 2008. Yeah, and they've played in the Champions League. Um, two weeks ago, maybe more, I can't remember, Dortmund fans put up a banner saying uh, Dietmar Hopp is a son of a bitch and we don't like him and get out of football. The reason they've done that is because in German football, there's the 50 plus one rule. Yeah. Whereas, so no one can be a majority shareholder. It has to be 50% owned by the club. Is that right? Is it by the, the fans. fans? Sorry. Yes. Yeah. So you can't have a majority shareholder. Dortmund put up this banner and it may be further back uh, than two weeks ago. But what has come out is that the German FA have banned Dortmund for having away fans at Hoffenheim games for yeah. the next two years that's annoyed them because they're saying that they're protesting against the ethics of the way German football's played and the way that we do it. And there's, they don't want the Man City scenario where you have a Qatari owner and comes in. That's what, and which I have a lot of respect for. I really like. So um, we should say that Hop has been allowed to yes. purchase 51%, a controlling yes. interest in Hoffenheim. And there are only two other clubs that have this. Leipzig. Uh, and it's Leverkusen and Wolfsburg. 
which but are they business. were they were works clubs, yeah. yeah. So they they were set up that way. Yeah. So it's it's a different scenario. So essentially, Hoffenheim are the only club where an individual has come in and owns a controlling share. Yeah, and they've said that he can do it because he took a club that was nothing and built them into something, and he's put money back into the community and created a thing for that community. So that's their kind of theory behind saying it's okay. What they've done by banning the Dortmund fans for two years is piss off all the other fans at other clubs. So the um, I can't remember which clubs it is off the top of my head, but lots of other the Schalkers and big clubs within Germany, the traditional clubs, Bayern clubs, uh, Bayern Munich, um, have come out and gone, If you can't ban Dortmund fans, who we hate and we never talk about and we never... You can't ban them for two years because of this guy. We agree with them. So what happened at the Bayern Munich against Hoffenheim game this week is that Bayern Munich fans released a banner and going, yeah, we agree. And they've copied the exact same banner. So they're all calling him a son of a bitch, which is why it's all the same, <laughs> same banner, because they want to show solidarity with fans to say, no, this is not. It's a weird insult. Though, it's like, yeah, it is, yeah. yeah. Um, or son of a whore or something. Um, but it's, it, but that's the so the reason that everyone's jumping on board is to go we're siding with the Dortmund fans because we don't agree with the yeah, way this okay. is done um, and this is all the kind of ultras in Germany and the ultras in Germany are good they're very anti-racism they're um, pro-immigration they're kind of about human rights they're political yes um, and Generally, what they go for is really good things. They do um, Holocaust awareness stuff, and they're very active and politically charged, but in what I would say is a positive way. So I think it's it's a weird one because this guy, is he's done a good thing for the club, the local community. Well, the other thing is that makes it more difficult is he's got a lot of philanthropic interests as well and apparently like i mean i'm certainly not going to speak up for billionaires i don't think anybody in the world should no. be a billionaire i think it's a disgrace yeah but it, it seems like he is actually a quite a decent bloke and invests a lot of there's a lot of other things where he's invested money and i can't think of them off the top of my head yeah. but it's so it's not as straightforward as being like it's, this guy's a jerk it's gross money this guy's a jerk but I have sympathy with these oh, yeah. fans because, I mean, what if you're setting a precedent and it does change the structure? I mean, what do you, what yeah. do you think? And well, I, I totally agree, but I think it's more around what the German FA have done by banning the Dortmund away fans for two years. Yeah. Because, yes, what he's done, I think everyone known, has known what's happened at Hoffenheim for the last 10, 15 years. And everyone's been a bit, a bit annoyed about it, but it's okay. But now when you're banning fans to oppose him, you're saying you're siding with the rich people rather than the fans. And that's where the fans are going, no, German football is about the 50 plus one rule and everyone being involved. And we might hate these people as fans, but we side with them as passionate fans of football. Um, so, and yeah. I, do, I mean, a bit of me is like, why doesn't this guy just sell, even as a symbolic thing, just sell that one five one point five percent of shares? Yeah, I mean, true. I the FA to me could just. I mean, I think what's happened here is he he did this 
when they were in the fifth tier. And yeah. so probably no one really thought about it because they're like, well, no it's this his, guy, he's buying his own town club, yeah. you know, he's good Fine. on him, whatevs. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, as they've come further up the league, you can imagine the hierarchy of gym football getting more and more nervous good because order, they're like, order, oh, God, yeah. they're going to get here. Yeah. But I, a bit of me is like, why, if their football was set up in this way, which I think is a good model, why does there need to be an exception? Why do? Yeah. Why does he need fifty one? Um, yeah, mate, like yeah. why? Why don't? Why not just you? German football could just go. Sorry, this is our rule. We're going to force you to sell you one percent. And rather than ban fans from another team to come and see them, they should just yeah, they should go sell your shares to the fans. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a way to do it, and I can understand why. But I think that is it really two two year ban. That's two year ban. So it's only it's only two games. So two years sounds bad, but it means that Dortmund fans uh, can't. True, yeah. You can't go. Well, to it the might away. be more if it's cup games and stuff. But yeah, it, yeah. I mean, you're right. Two years sounds draconian, but it is only two games. Um, I've got another side story from yeah. Germany. Um, have you? Heard oh, of- we should say sorry as well. Go on. The end of this side story. Um, they stopped the game. Oh yes. So the, the this yes. is the whole thing that was so completely Bayern was six nil up. Yeah, which makes it even more bizarre. And then the banner comes out, and then they stop the game, and they use the same protocol that they use if there's race uh, racist chants in the stands, which is a bit weird because it's a different thing, but that's what they did. Um, and the Bayern Munich players went over and asked them to remove it, and then the Bayern and Hoffenheim players decided to not try for the last 15 minutes and they just passed the ball around for 15 minutes at the end and then at the and then all went over with the owner yes in solidarity to the fans at the end of the game yeah. which is interesting that the players and the you know seem to be supporting yeah. them so that makes the decision even more difficult I'm just it's selling, super complex i'm just saying make him sell it but then if yeah. you then put the players offside so it's a yeah it's a tricky one yeah um but the other side story i had from germany was in their the german cup equivalent of the fa cup um a team called saarbrücken saarbrücken have made it into the semi-finals they're in the fourth tier um they beat fortuna dusseldorf on penalties overnight it's the first time ever in the cup history that someone from the fourth tier has made it to the semi-finals. Wow, who are they playing? The Bayern are in there and then the other semi-finals are tonight. So, don't know who they're playing. Mm. uh, So, yeah, Sabuken might win the cup. Sabuken. Do you have any other side stories? Uh, No. Um, El Clasico, maybe? Yeah, so the El Clasico happened and Real Madrid won 2-0. It was quite an under... It's weird, really right? Because, under- I mean, Barcelona and Madrid are still the only two teams that are going to win La Liga this year. Yeah. Um, it was a massive win for Madrid because if Barca won, they would have gone five points clear. But as it is, Madrid have gone back top by one. But I've been really underwhelmed by both teams this year when I've seen them. I thought Man City schooled Madrid last week in the Champions League. Yeah. And I don't think Madrid have ever played that well under Zidane. Even but they just win stuff. Been entirely successful, yeah. and I don't begrudge the man anything because I, you, you know, my love for Zidane. Yeah. But I just I watched a, a fair bit of this game, and I just was like, you normally you're excited to see El Clasico because you know it's going to be the best players, and the standard of football is going to be amazing. And I just, you know, Barcelona have got an aging Messi who they are still incredibly reliant on, particularly with Suarez yeah. injured. Yeah, and then Madrid are like bits and pieces, but they're not. They're really old and really young. Not really a team. And I went down a rabbit hole the other day of looking at the Liga stuff and was looking at the top scorer charts. 
And you look at the top scorer charts and you've got Messi in there. And then you've got like Iago Aspas yeah. and <laughs> that Braithwaite guy who's gone to Barcelona. And there's a lot of average strikers in there. And there's a lot of average... The La Liga at the moment is pretty weak, I reckon. Because as soon as Real Madrid and Barcelona aren't brilliant, suddenly everything gets very average. And it's um, I was actually looking at this in the week because Madrid have been really, really struggling to score goals. So Benzema is their only player in double figures with 11. Yeah, Jesus. After that, it drops to three, God. which is Casemiro, Cruz and Modric. That's, so not even, Gareth Bale? not even forwards. Bale's got two. Uh, so this doesn't include penalties, I should say. This yeah. is goals from open play. So because otherwise Ramos is the second top scorer with eight, but five of those yeah. are penalties. But and then um, you know Junior Vinicius Junior yeah. who scored the goal um, in the first yeah. goal in the game, which was you know hopefully a massive moment for him. But that was only his second goal this year. Yeah, so Jesus. he's sort of I I was reading about him and he's. You know, he's obviously got a lot of potential. They bought him from Brazil. He's got all the ability in the world, but he essentially has had already in his short career two massive dry spells of not being able to score. And it almost got unbearable. And then he scored and he thought maybe that was it. And then straight away he's gone on another barren run. Yeah, okay. Broken El Clasico. And there's lots of jokes going around about him like he can do everything up until he gets a chance. And then it all goes wrong. And then he fluffs it. Is the uh, Philip Billing of Real Madrid? Maybe, or I think of like a. Why no? It's not an early Sterling because an early Sterling was when he didn't think at Liverpool for yeah, that season. That he was middle amazing. bit. It was a middle bit when he yeah. first went to Man City <laughs> and then had to think and was terrible and then he got really good again. But yeah, I um I just was. It was more just I was surprised at how underwhelming this El Clasico yeah. was. Um, I've got a couple of other ones. Um, David Beckham's Inter Miami played their first game and lost one nil, which I kind of enjoyed. And he heckled. He was getting heckled by a guy in the crowd. Oh, really? But then apparently he turned around to him and said, "Oh, you look a bit lonely because it was a um, I can't remember who they played. LAFC. LAFC. But there was a fan behind Beckham heckling him. But then there was a whole big like empty stand there. So I think Beckham <laughs> just went back to you. Yeah, you're right. You look a bit lonely up there. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, and Daniel Sturridge has been banned from all football until June uh, for. Offering, well, no, for offering gambling advice. And he's opposing it because he said to his brother in not this January transfer window, just gone the one before, he texted him and said, I might be going to Sevilla. Um, I don't know whether he said, put money on it or whatever. But yeah, there's a bit of a weird scenario having this. You bet on that stuff? Yeah, you can. Transfers? Yeah, you can bet on like. To me, that's just. Built to be rorted. Roger Gibbs is going to sign for Real Madrid next week. Hey, Rog, when are you going? Yeah, so it's like okay if you bet on it twenty years in advance, but surely not within the same season. That just yeah. to me, that's been designed by someone to do yeah. exactly that. It's sad. I I, it's, I liked Sturridge, and yeah. I, I really wanted him to do well, and I sort of feel like his career is just going to peter out a bit. Well, he's been at Trabzon Sport in Turkey. They're top of the league. He's scored seven goals in 15 games, which is pretty good, good, and played 15 games, which for Daniel Sturridge is good. Um, And so he was playing pretty well, and he's come out, because he's contracted until June when he's banned, and he's sort of 
he's getting paid and he's said, I feel embarrassed. I think he's giving away the money or something because he feels embarrassed about getting paid during that time because he's banned. Um, but yeah, so bit of a weird one. He How could, old is he, he? He's probably gone now, isn't he? He's 29, 30. He's a very good player, but yeah. got knees made of glass. It just never quite happened. He had that one spell when he... Because it didn't happen at Chelsea, and then he went to Liverpool, and for a little bit he was the main man. You're like, he has got this. Yes. And then it just never happened. Went wrong. Um, my last side story is on the Nations League. So if Jeff was here, he'd go, the Nations League. Um, <laughs> well, you could do the Nations League. The Nations League. No, I can't do it. <laughs> I need Jeff to do it. Um, the draw was today. Which isn't exciting, don't care. The thing that I don't like about... Is it the, every year, the Nations League? Every two years. Every two years. Um, the thing I don't like about the Nations League is the format this year was you have a top three. Uh, you have divisions, like four groups, and in each group there's three teams. And if you come bottom of that, you get relegated. So we got really excited because Germany came bottom of their group and we're going to get relegated. And so you're like, yes, Germany are getting relegated. UEFA have decided that actually there should be four teams in the top division. So all the big teams that were getting relegated, the Germanys and Frances of this world, stay where they are. Oh, and that's so gross. <laughs> and that's... Then all the people that won from the group below get lifted up to come. Yeah, it's really sad. How can you know? And it makes you think with like the Man City stuff. How can you have any faith in? the people that are supposed to be policing this when they do stuff like that. It's just so gross. It's just, it's a system that has been designed by the elite for the elite and they just change the rules. I mean, the world is like that, to be yes. honest. So yeah, just, it's just a it just version of the world. You want, imagine if you're the smaller teams looking at it who could have been really excited going, oh, we're going to play Germany We're going to play twice. Germany and then, no. yeah. No, all over. Um, there is... who, who did England get? We've got Belgium. Belgium, someone else and someone else. Iceland. Iceland. And I can't remember the third. No. I knew you were going to ask me this, is why I didn't mention it. But them. it looks like a tricky group to me. Yes. It looks like the one where... But I'm looking forward to playing Belgium again and Iceland, so... Yeah. But I don't know who the other one is. Um, there is no end game this week, everyone, because... Oh, come on! Well, because if I... You'll, you'll win. I know. So no... Well, I still will get one right. So, yeah, it's true. Um, so we'll do it when Jeff's back next week. Um, do you have anything before we go? Uh... No, other than I want to play the game. <laughs> <laughs> um, thanks for listening, everyone. We will be back next week and we will play the game. Um, don't forget, if you want to get in contact, ask us questions or tell us we're wrong about something, just find us on Facebook or shoot us an email at footballshedpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks, everyone. See ya. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.